I'm Carson Horn, and it's Wednesday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. Spring is quickly approaching, which means it's the busiest time in Auburn sports. We've got basketball, we've got baseball, we've got track and field, and we've got spring football even starting at the end of the month. But lucky for you, you we're going to have it all covered here on Talking Tumors. I'm Carson Horn. Thank you all for tuning in, either if you're listening live or on podcast later on. We appreciate it either way. And like I just said, there is there is plenty to dive into. I think today is going to be the first ever edition of Talking Tumors where we're not going to talk football because we've got so much more to discuss. We're going to start with basketball. We're going to preview Auburn baseball. They start their season on Friday. Uh, we're going to talk some more about basketball in the third segment and fourth segment. We'll get into a few other things. But let's start out with some positives what a throttling it was last night by Auburn. Defeated Missouri by 33 points, 89-56. to 56. Just total domination from start to finish. Started the game on a 19-2 run. Just an unbelievable game. Arguably the best game Auburn has played all season. Bruce Pearl said that they won every matchup on the floor for 1-5. This is a Missouri team who... In Joe Lenardi's bracketology yesterday morning was a seven seed, was coming off a win at Tennessee. Yes, where they put up over 80 points on Tennessee, the arguably the number one defense in the country. And Auburn held them to 56 points, held them from 22% uh, from three, 31% from the field, held Kobe Brown, their best player, to only seven points. I mean, just a miraculous performance on the defensive end. And then offensively hit 50% of their threes. Probably will not do that again this season. Shot nearly 50% from the field. How about the game Katie Johnson had in this one? Uh, Janai Broom. Wendell Green was one assist short of 10. He had nine in the game. Just an all-around great effort from this team. Uh, it, it was great to see Alan Flanagan had a quiet 16 in this game. KD had 15. Uh, just great to see. And Bruce Pearl laid it all out on the table. And we're going to talk about the Alabama game here in a second. But he laid it all out on the table in, in his in his presser on Monday. He called it a must win. And, and he wasn't wrong, but I, I thought, and that's an interesting strategy. Do you want to put that pressure on your team? And, and sometimes you don't, sometimes you do. But I think that, obvi- and obviously Bruce Pearl was right, he felt like this team needed to feel that pressure a little bit. And they had not been playing poor basketball. And honestly, you could argue that in the, in this three-game losing stretch that Auburn played the best basketball of the season, which is ironic because you lost three games. It was good basketball, but it wasn't good enough to beat the top teams in your conference. And, and so I, what Bruce was getting at here is like, look, it's now it's time to essentially put up or shut up here. We have got to win this basketball game if we want to be in the NCAA tournament, which was not something we were very concerned about. And that's credit to this team because they put themselves in a good position going into that tough stretch, but then they weren't able to pull out any wins uh, in in those tough games and lost one you didn't really expect to lose at home 
against Texas A&M before you got into that that tough stretch. So then here you were, and in Joe Lenardi's bracket yesterday morning, Auburn's sitting on the bubble now, officially. They stayed off the bubble, but here they were, and now it is win or you may not be in the tournament. And Bruce put the pressure on the team, and they responded. Uh, they Again, they came out and played one of their best games uh, of the season, if not their best game of the season. That's what you want to see. Uh, this team is a tournament team. They should be in the tournament, and they will be if they do what they need to do. And we'll talk about that more later on. But they just found themselves in, in, in a tough spot with their backs against the wall, and they needed to feel that pressure. They need to come out swinging. And, and they certainly, uh, certainly did that. And, and I think a key, and everything goes back to this team, it, it's their defense. Everything. The defense leads to offense for this team. The shooting's not always going to be there. This team's not going to shoot from 50% from three every game. Uh, they're, they're, they had some advantages on the inside because Missouri was a smaller team. They exploited those. That opened things up offensively. Missouri's not a good defensive team. And Auburn did what you're supposed to do against a bad defensive team. And that, that was good to see. It's not always going to be that easy, uh, offensively for Auburn. Missouri is a top 10 offense in the country, not just in the SEC. They are a very, very good offensive team. And that's where it starts. It, it starts with stopping these offenses and letting your, uh, and letting your offense and your shooting follow. And so I was proud to see that effort from this Auburn team. And they're going to win these games, these next five games or have a chance to compete in these next five games. They're going to have to continue to play good defense. And this is not a team that anyone is going to want to see in the NCAA tournament because of that defense. Now, with that being said, let's look at the Alabama game. I, I covered that game. If you haven't and you'd like to see a recap on it, I wrote an article that's on WeagleFM.com. Uh, you can check out uh, that. I, I, I think I titled it, Another Game, Another Missed Opportunity. Because that was the story, unfortunately, of Auburn's three-game stretch there uh, with Tennessee and with Alabama and with Texas A&M. They had their chances. Uh, and even you go back to West Virginia, uh, the West Virginia game as well at the end of January. Those games came down to the final minutes, and, that, and Auburn had their opportunity. And I, and I told one of my friends this before the game, before the Alabama game. I really believed. I said, this team's not going to lose another close game. There's no way. They're either going to get blown out or they're going to win. I was wrong. They lost another close game. I, I just, I, they were so close and they were so close and, and so many of these games and it hurts. But, and you, and we can say moral victories all day long, but as I just talked about, you've got to win eventually. And that's what it came down to in the Missouri game yesterday. They finally did that. But I think the coaching staff was like, look, we've hyped you up. We said, well, look how, look how great, man. Guys, you come so close. You, you played so well, but, but you just haven't been able to finish the games. Well, enough of that. We got to go out and win. And so the, the philosophy kind of switched with that, with the coaching staff and the way things were handled in the media. Enough of this moral victories. No, we've got to go out and win basketball games. But it, that, that was what was frustrating about the Bama game is because it was an Auburn led for over 25 minutes in the game. Really played very well. Uh, they forced Alabama to beat them on the inside, and Bama did. Bama did just that. They were going to take away. We're not going to let Alabama beat them with threes, and they didn't. They did a good job defending the three-point line, but Alabama was able to find some success in the paint. Janai Broom's foul trouble certainly played a factor in that. Auburn shot the ball well in the first half, and that was crucial. And the shot, but in the second half, it slowed. They were able to get to the free throw line in the first half. 
they were able to get the free throw line early in the second half. That slowed, though, as you got later in the game, and in the final five minutes, that was where the game was lost. Uh, this was a back-and-forth game for most of... Mo- the whole game was pretty much back-and-forth. Second half was really that way, and with five minutes left, Bama kind of took the lead there, shifted momentum. Auburn was able to cut it back down to two or three within that five-minute mark, but then they stopped making shots. And, and I know in the post-game press conference, Jalen Williams talked about, well, it was our defense that got let down, and yeah, sure it did. But the reason was Auburn was missing shots, open shots, open threes that allowed Alabama to get back in transition. That's what they do best offensively is getting back in transition. They were able to knock down some shots. They were able to extend the lead, and it was too much for for this Auburn team to overcome. This team, the ceiling is not high. The ceiling is what it is, and, and where Auburn's ceiling is, it's a good team. But they have to play at their ceiling against these top teams, and they weren't able to quite do it. They, were, they played close to it, and they even played at it for maybe 30 minutes, but you've got to play at that ceiling for 40 minutes if you're going to knock down an Alabama, if you're going to knock down a, a Tennessee or even a Texas A&M team on the road, and they weren't able to do that in those games. And that, that was what was frustrating, but you saw the opportunities. And um, unfortunately, there there is not a... Uh, a ton that this Auburn team can do about those games. Now, they're going to have another opportunity, though, at Alabama and at home against Tennessee. Can they pull it off a second time around? I don't know. I think they they have a good chance of beating Tennessee at home. I do. That's the final regular season game at Alabama. I think that's going to be a long shot, uh, but they're going to have a chance against Tennessee. With that being said, with these uh, last five minutes or so before we go to break, I want to talk about where this team stands right now in the NCAA tournament. I mentioned it that they were a 10 seed in Joe Lenardi's bracket yesterday morning. Missouri was a 7 seed. Missouri was not a quad one win for us. They were a high quad two. But nonetheless, a 33-point win against a team that was seeded three spots above you uh, right now, according to projections in the NCAA tournament, was a huge win. A team against a Missouri team that was playing really, really good basketball coming in to this game, to be able to just dominate them uh, from buzzer to buzzer was huge uh, for Auburn. But as it stands, Auburn controls its own destiny. They don't have to do anything spectacular from here on out to make the tournament. They did make life tougher on themselves, though, as I just mentioned, because they were not able to grab one of those games, one of those quad one win opportunities that they had. There's five games remaining. If Auburn goes two and three in those five games that are left, they're probably, probably is the key word, but probably in. But it's going to make for a nerve-wracking selection day. If Auburn is to win three out of the remaining five, they're in. There's not going to be any worry and probably going to be in with a pretty solid seed. You're looking back at a seven or eight seed. If ends up winning four out of those remaining five, it's going to be real pretty where Auburn's sitting in the NCAA tournament. I don't foresee that happening. But anything can happen if they can get hot uh, here down the stretch. The key for Auburn is winning these next two. Missouri was a must-win. I look at Vanderbilt and Ole Miss as must-wins as well. The, this Vanderbilt game, which I'm going to preview in, in um, segment three, uh, I'm a little bit nervous about. But again, I don't want to go too much into that one. And then you've got Ole Miss at home. Uh, we'll preview that one on next week's show. Ole Miss, one of the worst teams in the SEC, arguably the worst. South Carolina's down there as well. 
And that's a game that Auburn absolutely should win, especially being at home. And then the three-game stretch to finish the season, no one should have to go through. It is brutal. You go to, Ken- go to Kentucky, to Alabama, and then host Tennessee. Very real possibility Auburn goes 0-3. If they go 0-3 after going, if they go 2-0 these next two games, and then go 0-3 in those three games, it, it's going to be nerve. It's going to be nerve-wracking. It, it will be. They should still be in, depending uh, again, assuming Auburn wins and they keep these games close for the most part against Alabama and Kentucky and Tennessee. But if they're able to pull off an upset at Rupp, if they're able to pull off an upset in Coleman, if they're able to win at home against Tennessee, which I think out of those three games will be your 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 best chance. I think Kentucky and Tennessee are both going to be winnable games. I know Kentucky's on the road. I still think that's a winnable game. Tennessee at home is going to be a winnable game. But if you don't, if you don't win any of those, it, it, it is going to be a tense selection day. But I think this resume speaks for itself right now. It's just the lack of quad one wins, which I mentioned is a big metric used. Auburn has between one and two. Northwestern, I think, jumped back into the quad one win category because they knocked off Purdue. So cheering Northwestern on and really cheering on Missouri because they are on the brink of quad one uh, team, cheering them on, seeing if they can get into that category would help with Auburn's resume uh, in a big way. So it's time to be a little bit nervous if you're an Auburn fan, but last night should give you a little bit of of relief. Again, if they if Auburn wins the games they're supposed to win, the rest of the way out they should be okay. And, and they compete and gives themselves a chance at Kentucky and at Tennessee. And things are ever-changing and, and because of the teams Auburn has played and how they're doing. Things are ever-changing, so we'll talk about this again next week uh, after Auburn has played Vanderbilt and after Auburn uh, before the Ole Miss game and see where things are standing at that point. Um, but I, I think Auburn's okay right now. They're, they're not in as good a spot as they once were before this tough stretch, but they, they could certainly be on the outside looking in, and they are not. And that's a good thing if you're an Auburn fan. So we'll leave that there for this first segment. We will come back to Auburn basketball in segment three. But coming up next, we are going to preview Auburn baseball, who starts out their season Friday afternoon against Indiana. So stay tuned here. You're not going to want to miss here on Weagle 91.1. Yes, we are talking Auburn baseball. If you don't know anything about me, baseball is my favorite sport. And I couldn't be more excited to finally get the chance to talk a little Auburn baseball. A program that's coming off another College World Series uh, last season under Butch Thompson. A team that really was not expected uh, to be there. Went there. Uh, had a great, just a great season. A lot of fun. They were a ton of fun to watch. But this year, they lost a lot of guys from, from last season. They're not ranked in the majority of preseason polls. That's not a bad thing for Butch Thompson, though, because in the, in in past, including last year, uh, Auburn usually does better when they fly under the radar. I know we typically said that in, in football, and that was true, but really it has been true in the Butch Thompson uh, Butch Thompson era uh, to fly under the radar, to not really be thought much of, and then to make a really really big run. And I'm very much looking forward uh, to this team this year. Yes, they lost a lot. And I'll, I'll go through that list real quick with you. The big, the big losses: Sonny Deshera, Blake Burkhalter, Mason Barnett, Trace Bright, Blake Rambush, Brody Moore. Those are all key contributors. Some of your best players 
Of course, Sonny D was the star of the team last year. Blake Burkhalter, just a phenomenal bullpen arm. Mason Barnett and Trace Bright were both starters on this team last year. Rambush was your third baseman. Brody Moore was your shortstop. You know, Sonny D played first base. You're, you were losing pretty much your whole infield, two starters, uh, your top reliever. It, it, it is a lot. It is a lot. There's no doubt about that. But the good news is for this, this program, they brought in the number six overall recruiting class according to Perfect Game, and they brought in multiple talented transfers. So this team, I really do believe, with the chance to gel and to mix with the transfers and what you've got returning, can be a really talented team. In fact, Butch Thompson called it the most talented team he has had here at Auburn. There's a difference between being talented and being good. There's a role that experience plays. In in sports, you can have the most talented team. It doesn't mean you're going to be the best team. A lot of times it does, but it doesn't always. And especially in baseball, it comes down to fundamentals and details and, and how you play the game and how you gel and how you mesh and what do you have here, what do you have that. You can be super talented, but if you can't throw strikes as a pitcher, it doesn't matter. Or you can't control your pitches, it doesn't matter. And you can hit the ball 500 feet, but if you can't ever make contact as a hitter, it doesn't matter how talented you are. So th- so those kind of things are, are going to come into play here. But if these guys can be developed and these this team can mesh together, they have a chance to be really good. Could it take some time? Absolutely. I don't expect this team to be uh, just a absolutely stud and loaded team to begin the season. But by the time you get really... Uh, later in the season, get into late conference play. This is a team who could be playing their best baseball. But let's look at who this team has coming in. We'll look at who's returning and what this lineup is possibly going to look like. So the newcomers, again, there's a lot that came in in this freshman class and, and in transfers, but I just listed the ones who I think will have a big role on this team. Starting out with five-star catcher Ike Irish. Now, more than likely, he's going to be DH because of uh, what Auburn has uh, returning uh, at catcher uh, this year. And, and Nate LaRue, who who was just voted a captain, by the way. Very, very good player. Talk about him in a second. But uh, Ike Irish was a top 30, I believe, player. Uh, five-star catcher. Uh, he batted leadoff a lot in the fall, so maybe that's where Butch Thompson likes uh, is going to like for him to go. But I think he'll have a big impact on this team. Uh, this year at the plate. Really, really excited to get a chance to watch him. Another big one, Chris Stanfield, uh, an outfielder. The outfield is one place where Auburn is returning all their starters from last season. But can Chris Stanfield push those guys? Can he find a, a way into the lineup? Will certainly be something to watch there. He's also a freshman, uh, a very highly rated player uh, coming in, I believe, out of Florida. Then you've got transfer, a Kent State transfer, Justin Kirby. Uh, he hit 323 last year with 15 home runs. Is also an outfielder. Is he someone who who could possibly play? Uh, D, could also DH maybe. Uh, could push his way into the outfield rotation. I think the outfield rotation is going to be the most interesting uh, position battle to watch as the season uh, goes on uh, here for Auburn. They kind of figure out uh, what they like and what they don't like out there. And then you got Cooper McMurray, a first baseman transfer. From Kansas, I do believe he will be the first baseman for Auburn. He had 248 last year uh, with nine home runs. Uh, and then you've got Caden Green, a Juco infielder, possibly looking at him at second base uh, this year. Uh, we'll see We'll see about that. These are all guys who 
have a chance to make a big difference. Again, the two I'm most excited about, though, have to be Justin Kirby and Ike Irish. Seeing seeing what impact they're going to have, I, I'm for sure that Ike Irish is going to be in the open day lineup. Have a good feeling Justin Kirby will be as well in the outfield uh, coming over, as I mentioned, from Kent State. But we'll see, again, with all three returners, all three guys returning in the outfield from last year's team. It's not going to be easy to push his way into that uh, lineup. As for a transfer pitcher, uh, Auburn picked up Thomas Abel from TCU. He was a uh, transfer. He did not play much at TCU. He had surgery, Tommy John surgery, and wasn't able to go much. But he also was coming from Notre Dame before he transferred to TCU, where he had a 3.24 ERA in the 2020 season uh, before that Tommy John injury. Auburn is hoping to get him back to that level. Again, he hardly pitched the last season at TCU because of his recovery from the injury. He is a six-year player, and they're hoping to pick up that magic that he had in 2020 at Notre Dame. Auburn tried this philosophy last year with Tommy Sheehan, and it worked out well. They're hoping to get some of the same benefits uh, from Abel here, and, it, and hoping that he can be a late-inning reliever uh, for this team. Obviously, as I mentioned, losing Blake Burkhalter who was a great reliever last year for this team, looking to to add some depth and some experience to that bullpen there. Hopefully he is someone who is back to full speed, who can make a big difference this year for this team. We'll certainly see what happens there. But he's a big transfer um, that they brought in. As I mentioned, Auburn uh, is returning all three starting outfielders, Mike Bellow and left, Kaysen Howell in center, and Bobby Pierce in right. Bobby Pierce was one of Auburn's best hitters last year in the four-hole. Really big fan of him. I, I love Bobby Pierce a lot. Casey Howell been a starter in center field now, I believe, for a couple years. When I mentioned Justin Kirby, I just I think it's going to be hard for him to beat out Howell or Bobby Pierce. Maybe he has a chance in Mike Bellow, but even Mike Bellow, I thought had a pretty solid year last year. I think he hit around two fifty. Bobby Pierce hit around uh, two seventy five. He's not beating out Casey Howell. Uh, he is a fantastic player. It's going to be tough, and that's not a bad thing to have. Like I said, you're mi- you're mixing some experience with some new talent, and how you figure out how to best put a lineup on the field will will be uh, key uh, for this Auburn team this year. As for what the infield is going to look like, uh, Cole Foster has been the second baseman for Auburn. He's going to move over to short since Brody Moore uh, has uh, been drafted and moved on to professional uh, baseball, so he'll move over from second to short. Very good player for Auburn as well. Caden Green that I mentioned, the uh, Juco transfer, more than likely is going to get that second base position, but certainly a competition to watch there. Uh, Cooper McMurray more than likely will replace Sonny DeShera at first base, uh, the transfer from Kansas. Look, I, I wouldn't expect him to match the production that you got out of Sonny D last year. That's going to be too tall of a task. But hopefully uh, he can hit maybe even better than he did at the at the, about 250 mark last year. Slugging was a little below, uh, OPS was a little below uh, uh, .1,000 last year. He has been above that mark uh, before. Uh, before he went to uh, Kansas, he was elsewhere. I can't remember exactly, but I was looking at his OPS uh, before Kansas, which was higher. So hopefully he can get back to a high level there. And then at third base, you've got two guys who are a little bit unknown but have been in the program, and that's Brody Moss or Mason Land. Neither, like I said, neither have played much at all, 
but both have been in this program for a little bit. There's a competition there to see who's going to get that spot. So certainly it'll be interesting to see who gets the spot, the start uh, opening uh, afternoon against uh, Indiana and then moving forward in that series. And then you've got Nate LaRue at catcher, one of the best defensive catchers in the country. He is phenomenal. I know there's been a lot of criticism of him because of his bat. He was not a good hitter last year. There is a lot of confidence from inside this Auburn baseball program, however. He's made some adjustments to his stance, They and he hit the ball well in the fall. They really feel like he is going to be a threat at the plate this year, whereas he wasn't last year. He was in there strictly for his defense. His pop time's incredible. Uh, you can't steal on him. He, he is awesome uh, behind the plate. I played catcher, so... I love a great defensive catcher, but I do expect him to be a better hitter this year. Some even thinking that he could even make his way into the top of the lineup. If he turns it on hitting-wise, watch out. Uh, it's going to be dangerous uh, for, for opposing teams. And then, like I said, at DH, I expect it to be Ike Ira. She'll be the backup catcher, I would assume, to Nate LaRue uh, whenever he needs a break uh, behind the plate. But Ike Irish at DH, the true freshman, uh, very, very strong, very, very powerful uh, hitter. Very much looking forward to watching him, possibly even in that leadoff uh, role. Again, I didn't put out a possible uh, batting lineup, just went with kind of what I'm thinking for the field. And then for the starting rotation, this is what's going to be interesting. Joseph Gonzalez is returning. In my opinion, and I think in a lot of people's opinion, he was the best pitcher last year for Auburn. Did not quite translate to the uh, MLB draft in the way that he would have liked it uh, to have. So he returns, and that's big for Auburn. Very, very good lefty pitcher. I'm very much looking forward to watching him. Ranked in the top 30 for uh, college baseball pitchers this season, preseason rankings. Uh, he he is going to be phenomenal. Chase also is probably going to be the number two here uh, for Auburn this season. A lot of potential for him. Looking forward to seeing how he develops into that number two spot. And then the third spot is wide open, but it's probably going to come down to three uh, freshmen here. All three very talented. All three, uh, two of them are throwing in the upper 90s in Zach Crotchfeld, or mid-90s in Zach Crotchfeld and Drew Nelson. You've also got Hayden Murray in there. Auburn may not have this figured out until later in the season. You saw last year Auburn had to mess around a little bit with their uh, weekend rotation guys. But these three are all going to compete for that third spot. Who's going to get the third start this weekend? I, I don't know yet. Certainly going to be uh, something to watch. I, I, if I had a wager on and I, I wager on Zach Crotchfeld, I like him probably the best. He's got the best velo, uh, I think, of the group. Uh, sitting higher than even the Auburn staff thought that he would be this season. So starting rotation is also going to be interesting to watch. As far as the late-inning relievers go, I mentioned Tommy Bell, Auburn hoping to get big things out of him. John Armstrong is probably going to be the closer this year. He's returning into this program. you got Chase uh, Isbell and Will Cannon are some of the names to watch there. So to summarize, there's a lot of question marks. There are. There, we, we went through that, but that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. You you got to figure out this roster, what's going to work best. It's going to take multiple different lineups throughout the season to, to finally get to what you like and what is going to give you the best chance to win. 
but I'm excited. Again, there's a lot of question marks, but I'm excited about this team, and I'm excited about what they can accomplish when they get things figured out. As I mentioned, I, I really I would expect them to struggle early. Don't be surprised by that at all if they do. But I, I think in the end, this is going to be a team who can make a run. The SEC is loaded. It's going to be tough, once again, like it is always, the best conference in baseball. But all you got to do is give yourself a chance in the postseason, like Auburn did last year, go win a regional, go win a super regional, and, and get to the College World Series. Easier said than done, but maybe this is a team that can do it yet again this season. A lot of question marks. They'll be answered. We'll talk more about Auburn baseball as we continue the show through the spring. We're not going to talk about the series against Indiana because I just wanted to go through a roster preview. But be tuning in. They start Friday. First pitch is Friday at 4 o'clock. Then they'll be Saturday at 2 o'clock and Sunday at 1. With that, we got to go to break. When we come back, we're jumping back to Auburn basketball, and we are going to preview the Vanderbilt matchup. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors. Association and this station. Welcome back to Talking Tumors now here on Weagle 91.1. So Auburn basketball will travel to Nashville, Tennessee this weekend to take on the Vanderbilt Commodores. And I mentioned earlier, I'm a little bit nervous about this game, and I'm going I'm to tell you why. Uh, this is a big game. This is another one of those must-win games. If you don't win it, as we discussed the NCAA tournament scenarios earlier, if if Auburn does not win this game, then they've got to pull off at least one, maybe two, wins against uh, Kentucky and Tennessee and Alabama. Probably need two, honestly, if, if you drop this one. But the thing is, Vanderbilt's not a bad team, and they are not a bad team at home, especially. Uh, this is a good offensive team. Statistically, they're not super high in any category. They're really not. They're, they're pretty much the epitome of average. But they've had the... At times, they have gone off offensively. They went off and were able to pull off the upset at home against Tennessee uh, with the last second shot. And there's some things that give me concern about how they play offensively that I think could be a challenge for what I, like I said, I believe is a very good defensive team for Auburn. But if Auburn goes on the road playing that weird gymnasium there in Nashville and they struggle to shoot, then this game could 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 be tough. And, it, and, and if Vanderbilt's playing well offensively, they could certainly pull off the upset against Auburn. Auburn's the better team, but as I said, there's there are matchups and things that Vanderbilt could exploit. They're coming off a I think they're on a four game winning streak right now. They're coming off road wins, back to back road wins at Florida, which was a big one. I they beat them maybe by eight down there, I think eighty eight to eighty, super high scoring game. Then they won against South Carolina by about twelve last night. No, that's not a huge win going to South Carolina and beating them. But nonetheless, they're coming off four straight wins, and they're playing really, really good basketball uh, right now. And they're led by a unicorn of a player uh, in uh, Liam Robbins. He averages 14 points per game, three blocks per game, and he shoots the three. Honestly, he shoots the three at a higher percentage than a uh, some Auburn players, some Auburn guards. Uh, and he, yeah, he's averaging around seven rebounds a game. He's a mismatch. Because he's going to force Auburn's bigs, whether it's Janai Broom or Dylan Carwell, he's going to force them out of the paint. It's going to open up more opportunities for second-chance points. It's going to open up more opportunities for Vanderbilt's guards to be able to drive and Auburn not be able to have help. Vanderbilt likes to run a lot of space you out, a lot of four out, meaning they're getting everybody around the three-point line. 
I imagine Auburn's going to take a similar defensive philosophy that they've taken in these last two games against Alabama and against Missouri. That is, we're going to take away the three, we're going to make you beat you with twos. The difference in, and I think there's a lot of similarities in Missouri and Vanderbilt. Both are pretty good shooting teams. Both like to shoot three. The difference is with Missouri, you didn't see a lot of ISO with their guards. It was a lot of swinging. They didn't really have a lot of movement uh, offensively. It was swinging around, see if we can get a, a decent look at a three. Vanderbilt's guards are going to be a little bit more aggressive, and, and I went back and watched the Tennessee upset. Uh, that was a couple games ago, and that's what gave me some nerves because their guards really went ISO, and they knocked down tough shots. Uh, Tennessee, you know, is a very good defensive team. And they did not give Vanderbilt a lot of... There were some good looks, but they didn't give Vanderbilt a lot of good looks. But their guards were able to knock things down. And that's what gives me nerves, because you're going man-to-man, and Auburn's going to have to stay locked on. If they give these guards some separation, and they're able to pull up... and They'll pull up just ISO jumpers. They'll pull up just ISO threes. And you see that some from Auburn and in, in any team. But they'll do it at a little bit of a higher rate than a lot of teams will. They're not afraid to just go play essentially street ball out there and say we're going to outshoot you. So the only th- and if they make it they make it, but Auburn can't give them good looks. They've got to stay locked down on them. On these Vanderbilt guards, can't let them get easy looks at the basket. Force them to take tough jump shots. That's essentially what Auburn needs to do in this game. Defend the three-point line well, force them to take tough deep twos. It's hard to do both. It's, I understand that it's hard to keep a team defended well on the three-point line and also take away the the path to the basket. But these guards are going to have to play really good man-to-man defense. Wendell and Zepp and KD and Trey, uh, Alan Flanagan, Chris Moore, Leor Berman, those guys have to play lockdown defense against these guards and force them into tough shots. If they don't, this Vanderbilt team uh, is going to make Auburn pay. And they still may make, like I said, they still may make some shots that... Auburn's really defending them well, which is why Auburn's going to have to play well offensively. It's going to be tough in the paint. With Liam Robbins down there at seven foot one. it's going to be a tough matchup for Janai Broom and Dylan Cardwell. Auburn had a big size advantage against Missouri. They're not going to have that size advantage against Vanderbilt. So how are they going to get their points? That's going to be key. Being able to pull uh, Liam Robbins out of the paint like they're going to do with Janai Broom will be crucial. Getting some good looks uh, with with the guards. Vanderbilt's guards are not super tall, so there's not going to be a big size advantage disadvantage there uh, for Auburn. But there is going to be a disadvantage there in the paint. So Auburn's going to have to knock down shots point blank. They did it against Missouri. They're going to have to do it Saturday. And still find ways, though, to try to get in the paint, try to get fouled, try to get to the line. Don't just be scared to go down there because there's a big seven, you know, foot foot one player uh, in, in the paint. Uh, so this is going to be a tough matchup. I, I really, I really think it is. And I think, I think Bruce Pearl said something that was interesting that Auburn only has one loss when holding teams to less than seventy one points. Yeah, and, and I'm not trying to brag here, but I will say that I, I said for Auburn to win. Uh, games this season, they needed uh, to make things ugly and keep it in the 60s. Well, that that's essentially what Bruce Pearl just said. So, you know, just got to, uh, I didn't say I meant to brag, but I am going to humble brag a little bit uh, on that one that I happen to be happen to be right. It doesn't take a genius to know that. You knew this Auburn team was not going to be great offensively uh, pretty, pretty quickly into the season. Uh, but that's going to be the key. Uh, this Vanderbilt team has the ability to go off shooting. 
Auburn cannot let that happen. If Vanderbilt goes out there and they knock down a you know, 10 threes at Auburn's face, and it's great defense. It is what it is. That's what happened a little bit with West Virginia game. Uh, but I think if Auburn forces them to into enough tough shots, they're going to be okay. Tennessee was able to get a lot of good looks uh, from three, and I think Auburn's going to be able to get a lot of good looks from three in this game against Vanderbilt as well. If they're able to do that and able to knock enough down, this game should be a, a game that Auburn can win and should win. But if they let Vanderbilt get hot and Vanderbilt gets into the 70s points wise, it is gonna, it could not, it may not be, go well for Auburn and it certainly would be a recipe for an upset, uh, for, uh, for Vanderbilt over Auburn in this one. So we'll see, uh, what happens. Like I said, this is a big game. It's another one of those must wins in my opinion, uh, for the tournament, getting this win on the road, uh, Vanderbilt, no, no matter what type of team they are, and they're a better team this year than they were last year, it's never easy to play in that weird gym and, and to get the win. It's just another one of those tough road environments that you really don't want to have to play at. But, of course, you are you are forced to, to, to travel to and to do so. Um, I, I want to talk about real quick before uh, we move on to the uh, final segment. I want to talk about this. Uh, Alabama at Tennessee game tonight. That one is that one is going to be interesting. It is in Knoxville. I think Tennessee is going to win it. Bama just they're due for a loss. Alabama's the number one team in the country. You know Auburn got that ranking last year and then lost a few. Part of it because schedule got tougher. I, I don't think that's the number one ranking is going to be the reason Alabama loses tonight. I just think they're due. Look, they haven't lost an SEC game, which is extremely impressive. I don't think the SEC is a great conference this year. I don't. That's not take anything away from Alabama. I just think the conference as a whole is not as strong this year as it as I th- I think a lot thought it would be, including myself. It is just not a super strong conference. It wasn't a super strong conference last year, but I would argue it was stronger than it is this year in this season. Part of that's because Arkansas, although they're starting to figure some things out, they got Nick Smith back, which is a big addition for them. Part of it's because Kentucky is underachieved, even Auburn has underachieved a bit. Uh, Tennessee's good. Alabama is elite. Tennessee at home, though, coming off a lot. They, you know, Auburn had a lot of close losses. Tennessee's had a lot of close losses here at the end of games. Had multiple. Uh, Missouri and Vanderbilt both came down to the shots at the last second to to beat them. I just like the way Tennessee. I think Tennessee's going to match up well defensively with Alabama, and I think they can match them shooting. I think it's going to be a very, very entertaining game, but I like Tennessee to pull off the upset here. I, I think the key matchup for them is how do they, how do their guards match up against Alabama's guards uh, the, on the defensive end, against Mark Sears, against Javon Quinterly, against Jaden Bradley, how Tennessee's able to defend Bama's guards and keeping them away from the basket is going to be big. Auburn did a good job defending the three-point line against Alabama, but like I mentioned, they were able to get to they were able to get to the the paint and get and get easy baskets. I think Tennessee can defend Bama a little bit better there, and I think they can defend the three point line. This will be the toughest matchup since the Houston game, which Alabama won. Houston took away Brandon Miller in that game, by the way, which Tennessee also has to do, and Auburn did. So you see that there, there's a, there's a key theme. You take away the best player and you force other guys to beat you. The thing is, Alabama has a good enough roster to where they're still able to beat you 
even when you take away a guy like Brandon Miller, which is the mark of a great team, Bama is, much as I hate to say it. So you have, you still have, that doesn't mean you don't take Brandon Miller away. You still have to, and I think Tennessee will, but I also think they have the talent at other positions to slow down these Bama guards. All I'm saying is I think this is a, a Tennessee matches up well with Alabama. They don't have the offensive firepower that Alabama has. They've got the defensive prowess, though, to make this game interesting and to pull it off. At home, that's why Alabama not having SEC loss. That's why I think Tennessee is going to win this one. If they don't, I don't know if Alabama's going to lose an SEC game if Tennessee can't pull this one off. It's probably going to be the popular pick to pick Tennessee uh, today, but I'm going to do it anyways. I like the Volunteers to pull this one off. It's at six o'clock tonight. It'll be a a a fun one uh, to watch uh, if you're if you're so inclined to do so, and uh, see if Bama uh, finally falls after getting that number one ranking, which I must say was deserving. I I think I still no matter what happens tonight, I think they're the best team in the country. They deserve the number one ranking. It's painful, especially after Auburn got it last year for Bama to turn around and get it the, the next year. It stinks. But it is what it is. They're the best team. Uh, hat, hats off to them. But that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to win a national championship. They might. Hopefully not. Uh, anything can happen in March, as we all well know. So we're going to wrap up this segment. When we return, we're going to do Hot Topic of the Week, which we're going to look at where SEC teams stand currently in the NCAA tournament and some, some possible hypothetical matchups that could be fun for this Auburn basketball team. So stay tuned here to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Welcome back now to our final segment of Talking Tumors this morning. So we're looking at how many teams the SEC currently has in the NCAA tournament and where their kind of uh, seating is at the moment. So we just talked about Alabama and Tennessee. They're the top two teams in the SEC and the two highest ranked teams in the uh, tournament, according to Joe Lenardi's bracket. Alabama right now the number one seed, the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Tennessee as the as a three seed, number nine overall. Um, he's got Missouri. Before, again, this was the bracket that came out yesterday morning before any of the games took place last night. Yeah, Missouri as a number seven seed. That is going to change most definitely. Auburn for a while before that stretch was sitting anywhere from a six to seven to an eight seed. They kept falling with the losses, even though the losses were close, and that was a good thing because they could have fallen f- uh, farther. Uh, Auburn kept falling there around that line. Arkansas been playing better. They moved up to a nine seed. He's got Texas A&M, who right now is actually second in the SEC standings as a ten seed, and Auburn also as a ten seed, and then Mississippi State as an eleven seed, and then on the bubble. Kentucky right now is part of the first four out group, and Florida is on the outside looking in. It's going to need some help uh, to get in. Uh, probably will not at this point. Probably a little bit too far uh, out there. Auburn, I'm not going to talk about them anymore because I've, I've talked about their path in. A&M sits in a really good spot. You think second team, the SEC, that they should be easily in. But again, there's a lot more to uh, the tournament and, and getting into the tournament than the fact that, oh, you've just won, uh, you, oh, you're second in your conference. It has a lot to do with your quad one wins, as I mentioned, which is a, you know, ranking system that the committee is going to look at. And so that's why Arkansas has a good many of those. That's why they're a nine seed despite their record. 
Auburn as a 10 seed, despite uh, the record of, of this team this year. Uh, they're there because of the lack of, of of quad one wins. But again, Missouri has multiple, and they're they're still going to be in the tournament because of that. But they will, I would expect them to drop in next week's bracket uh, because of this loss to uh, Auburn last night. They could lose it because it was a it was a big opportunity for them to get another quad one win. They could lose it, losing it by thirty one. It's also uh, going to be a big deal for them because the margin of um, wins and losses does matter now in this election. Um, committee has talked about that, and Bruce Pearl's talked about that uh, this season. So I, I think all these teams right now are in a pretty good spot. Mississippi State and Kentucky is, is going to be tight. Uh, Auburn a little bit, and A&M a little bit could, should have a little bit to worry about. Even Missouri, I think, is probably good. But they might have a little bit to worry about down the stretch, but definitely Auburn, Mississippi State, Kentucky, all, and A&M even all are on that kind of, still on the bubble here. Uh, all those teams trying to get off that Kentucky is currently out of the tournament. They're going to have some big opportunities. They play uh, Tennessee on Saturday. That'll be a big opportunity for them. Uh, they got the win uh, in Knoxville earlier in the season, and they'll get the chance to beat them at home on Saturday. So that'll be a big opportunity. So some possible hypotheticals we'll have some fun with here before uh, we close out the show. And in one bracket, Auburn was a 10 seed and the 2 seed. Uh, in that bracket was Virginia. So if Auburn theoretically were to win as a ten, be a ten seed and to win, they would have matched up with Virginia in the second round. That would have been a uh, that would be a fun matchup. I don't know how well Auburn would match up with Virginia, but how well are they going to match up with any two seed? Uh, that's a that's a real question. But because of the history there of the Final Four, where Virginia double dribbled, didn't get called, we all know the story. Don't want to go back and and relive that moment. But it would be fun to get another shot to play against them and possibly to pull off an upset like that. Would be exciting. Remember, Miami was a 10 seed and they went to the Elite Eight. And I'm not saying Auburn's going to go to the Elite Eight or Auburn will even be a 10 seed. They may lose in the first round. But just saying anything is possible in, in the tournament. And I mentioned this earlier. No one's going to want to play this Auburn team in the NCAA tournament. The reason? Because they play really good defense. You don't want to play a really good defensive team in the tournament. The reason being... Because what if a really good defensive team ends up having a good offense tonight on top of playing like they typically do on the defensive side of the court, and then you've got a uh, you got an upset on your hands, and that's why you don't want to play a good defensive team. And uh, in March, they're they're just a team. Auburn's a team that's built to pull off the upset. Like I said, their ceilings their ceiling is what it is. It's not through the roof. Uh, no pun intended there. So. Auburn has to play at a high level, but if they do, they're good enough to knock off some top teams. You've seen that. They've competed with Alabama. They've competed with Tennessee. Uh, they they have shown the ability to play with the big boys. They just haven't been able to finish. But what if they do? And and that's what the hope that you have as an Auburn fan, if uh, this team's fortunate enough to get in the NCAA tournament, that, that they match, get a good matchup and they play well defensively and they knock down some shots and they're able to pull off the upsets. We'll see what happens. So that was an interesting theoretical. Currently, in Joe Lenardi's bracket, Auburn's actually playing Northwestern in their first in the in the first round, and then possibly matching up with someone like Baylor in the second round. So that was an interesting uh, draw as well. Don't see that one happening, considering the two teams played each other. Not saying that that's the biggest factor that the NCAA uh, committee tries to avoid any type of uh, rematches. Obviously, Auburn rematched with multiple. Um, 
will play Kentucky again in the NCAA tournament. You could see SEC and SEC matchup uh, happening at any point, uh, especially if you get on the same side of the bracket. There's a possibility that Auburn could get on the same side of the bracket as Alabama. Uh, that would certainly be uh, interesting if those two were to match up at some point. So any of those are, are fun hypotheticals to uh, to look at and to talk about. Uh, and, and we'll look more next week as well into the NCAA tournament and see where Auburn is standing on next week's show. This is something we're going to keep going for the next couple of weeks. Well, yeah, and through through the next couple of weeks, NCAA tournament. Uh, SEC tournament is March 6th or, or some, within that week, 8th through 12th, actually, I believe. So we'll talk about uh, the, everything regarding the NCAA tournament leading up to that. Uh, each and every week, and we'll talk more about Auburn baseball next week, and we will get back to talking some Auburn football if you did miss that today as spring practice gets closer to rolling around. Thank you all for tuning in to Talking Tumors today. I really appreciate you listening, whether you're listening live or on air. We'll be back next Wednesday at 10. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Wednesday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com and follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle and see you next time.